Go ahead, have a seat. Ushers are going to come forward. Let's give out of how God has given to us. Uh, it's all from him. It's all for him. And it's going back to him. If you're here for the first, second, or third time, we'd love it today if you fill out that connection card. And then as you're heading out today, you'll pass nice people all over the place. But as soon as you get outside, we've got a table on your right that has some nice people there. Uh, and if you could drop that off, we've got a gift for you just to say thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, we're glad you're here. And today is a great day to be here because we're having free tacos after service. It's our anniversary service today uh, as a church, as an umbrella organization, Mountain View. Uh, we're celebrating 25 years as a church. Uh, 25 years ago, I was 12 uh, in Simi Valley, and Mountain View launched at Clovis High School. Uh, there were about uh, there were a bunch of people there, and some of us have been from main campus and then here. Some of us have just started here at Sunnyside, and so you're like, 25 years? Wow, that's a lot at the high school. Uh, we've only been at the high school for about three, but it's a great day for us as a church. It's exciting, uh, and every year on our anniversary service, we do two things. One is we take an offering. So uh, today you've got this envelope that says anniversary giving on it. And we're going to give because some of that money is going to stay local and go toward the building that we've purchased and that we're working as fast as the city allows us to be able to move in uh, and occupy that space seven days a week. And that'll be awesome. And we're also, some of what we give today is going to go to the other side of the world. Uh, we want to be involved in ministry locally, check, globally, check, and nationally. Uh, some of that is going to go towards the projects that Mountain View has going on in places that I can't pronounce, but Pastor Greg can because he's the missions guy and he knows all of it. And so we're going to get to look a little bit about look a little bit at lives changing locally and also lives changing globally with our missions moment later in the service. Uh, so at the end, we'll be able to give uh, and drop those off here. At the front, if you're like, I've got no capability to give today, but I'd love to give something, uh, there's a box on the envelope where you can say, I'm giving a gift of blank by June 30th, and then you've got two months uh, to put something together uh, and either drop it off here at the church or you can give online through our app that's talked about everywhere. You can just search MVC Fresno and that'll pop up on your app store. But the second thing we do, we take an offering and we also choose a new verse that's going to be our verse as a church for the year. This year, uh, we're doing Galatians 6.14. And it says this, it says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It's a great verse, good thing to focus on as we look into the next year. And that, so I want to pick apart a few things in this, in this and like apply it to our lives uh, about how we live, how we interact with other people. And the first of those is that all of us need to be careful what we boast about. All right, there are two extremes streams of boasting in the world. There are grandparents and reality TV stars who are all about boasting uh, about various things, grandkids and whatever exploits they're part of. And then there's the rest of us. Because we all know that boasting, bragging leads to bad things. It's like the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Exactly. There's a sprinter, a track guy whose name is Carl Lewis. He is the fastest man in the world at one point. Now he's old and slow. We could all probably beat him. But at one point, he was super fast. He has more gold medals than I have hair on my head. And when you are world class at one thing, usually it gets into your head that you can be world class at many things. So the New York Knicks decided that they're going to ask him to sing the Star Spangled Banner at their basketball game. Again, world class at one thing, 
does not always translate to world class at lots of things. You can find the video on YouTube. Uh, he starts at the beginning of the song, which is a very difficult song to sing. For me, every difficult, every song is a difficult song to sing. Uh, but Star Spangled Banner is especially difficult. You have to start low so that when it gets high, you can get high with it. Uh, but, but he started high. He was thinking he was Pastor Tim. He's trying to get the crowd amped up and dancing around before you sing the Star Spangled Banner. Like, that just doesn't sit right with anybody. And so he starts really high, and by the time the song gets high, like, he, he's just not there. Like, he actually messes up and tells the crowd, I'll make it up to you. And then you watch what happens next, and you're like, no, you didn't. You did not make it up to us. You made it worse. Uh, Fergie changed the tune to one of the songs at the NBA All-Star Game a few years ago. This was not just changing the tune and singing it differently. This was a plane crash of disaster, and it started with boasting, and it ended with YouTube fame. Now, he's more famous for that than for lots of track medals and stuff like that, but that's how the world works. We know you don't boast. Like, that, that's part of us. But when it gets into our spiritual lives, we say, okay, don't brag. Don't end up on YouTube because of the dumb things that we sing. I'm just going to keep everything in my life under a rock. I'm not going to ever speak out about anything. And the thing about that is when it comes to Jesus living in us and then bursting through us, through everything that we say, think, and do, that type of a life isn't compatible with the way that God created us to live. At one point in Jesus' life, he's talking to a group of people, and he says to them, you are the light of the world. Those are God's children. That's us. That's something that we can grab onto. So God looks at this group of people and says, you, you are the light of the world. And I, I look at that, and I think, man, the group of people that Jesus was talking to that day had done nothing good. Like they had planted zero churches. They had gone on zero mission trips. They had shared their faith in Jesus who was there living, talking with them with zero people because Jesus hadn't died and risen again for our salvation. They had done nothing. Yet Jesus looks at them and says, you are already the light of the world. And we say, no, that's not me. I'm not going to boast about my faith. I'm not going to be YouTube weird. I'm just going to keep everything quiet. And that's not the way that God created us to live. God did not create us to live as people who boast about nothing because we're living in fear. There's four basic fears in the world uh, where if we like, dissect everything that we're afraid of down to four things, uh, down to like one specific thing, it'll be one of these four things. And we like sayings here. We say about if we're praying for something, uh, it's faith plus participation equals the miraculous. Like, we're going to have faith in God. We're going to participate in whatever way he leads us to, expecting that he's going to do more than we could ever ask or imagine and do the miraculous in us. So when it comes to fear, we also have a saying. Uh, it's doubt plus apathy equals fear. Doubt plus apathy equals fear. And we say, I'm not going to boast. I'm not going to do any of that. Never good. Not going to end up weird. Not going to end up prideful. I'm just going to live under a rock, especially in my faith. And the four things that we're afraid of in life is one is the fear of rejection. Like we never want to be rejected. We say, I'm not going to boast. I'm not going to do anything because I could get rejected. Where we're trying to always be approved by other people. Next thing is we're afraid of failing. We're afraid that we're never going to meet certain standards to feel worthy, like we're going to mess this up. I can't try something new. I can't serve on a serve team because I'm going to mess it up and I'm going to ruin something. There's also the fear of punishment, that, uh, that we, we're always going to screw it up and then people are going to punish us and, and never talk to us again. I can't do that. I can't share my faith. I can't, can't play on the worship team because they're never going to talk to me if I make a mistake. And the fourth one is hopelessness, where we look at it and just say, you know what, I can't change. 
I'm limited. This is a space in my life where I'm never going to measure up and I am never going to change. This is who I am. And this fear leads to guilt. Guilt leads to shame. Shame causes us to run from God. And instead of just not boasting, we just pull back from the relationship altogether because of fear, because of guilt, because of shame. I remember right after we got married, going to church with my wife, uh, the person who I live with, with Anna, who sees every dumb thing that I do, who knows just as well as I do how much sin there is in my life. Because in your life, you will not hurt anyone in your life more than you will hurt your spouse. And so I'm there in church next to her, and we're singing about how good Jesus is, and I'm giving all my life to follow him, and I feel like an absolute fraud because the person who sees all of my brokenness, all of my sin, all of my, sin, all of my, my guilt is sitting right next to me. It's like I can't raise my hands because if I touch her and like she thinks that I'm worshiping, it's like, you're a fraud, dude. Put your hands down. That was all in my head. None of that was actually coming out, but that's how fear, guilt, shame work in us. But we can be confident. We can be confident in where the verse leads. We can be confident in how God interjects and jumps into our guilt, our shame, our fear in the cross. And that's the next part of the verse. I'll never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We choose to glorify God when we focus our lives on the cross of Christ. We boast in the cross because the cross is where fear dies. So we talked about those four fears. The first one of those is rejection. The cross is the symbol of Jesus coming into the world to pull us into a relationship with him. It's the ultimate sign of God-funded, God-fueled acceptance of picking us up from where he finds us and then turning us into the men and women he created us to be. It's where our failures go to be atoned for, to be made right. We look at punishment and we see see punishment in the cross because Jesus took our punishment upon himself so that we could have the relationship with God that he deserves instead of the punishment that we deserve. And the idea of hopelessness dies on the cross because there's no bigger change that anyone will ever experience than from going to fully dead to fully alive again. And that's what Jesus did for us on the cross as a symbol of saying, just as I have changed from death to life, so you can also change from whatever situation you are to the situation that God has for you. We glorify God by focusing on the cross And this works its way out of our life. This looks like us sharing the good news with people, us telling people about what Jesus has done for us, us serving here in the church to make this place not just a bunch of people who come and and try to get better at life and not be so bad than we were last week, but we're a family working together to show God's love everywhere where we work, play, and then gather as a church. It also happens in baptism. Baptism is is us standing up and saying, I'm dead to my old life, I'm alive in Jesus, and Jerry's gonna come and share his, his story with us about how Jesus broke into his life and about how Jesus brought freedom for us. We love baptisms here at Sunnyside because it's a story about God breaking in. It's us testifying to say that what God has done for 2,000 years of changing sinners into saints continues to happen. And as we get baptized, we're saying it's not just happening out there, it's happening with me. And so if you're here and you're out of eighth grade and you're a follower of Jesus, we would love to have you get baptized. Uh, Talk to someone at the welcome table, Pastor Tim, Pastor Greg, or myself after service. And right now, let's hear from Jerry. Before I asked Jesus into my heart, on the outside, um, my life looked good. I was always independent, 
I always worked. However, I was missing stability. I would move around from place to place, but never had a home of my own. I was going out and doing things that were harmful to others and myself. I knew they weren't good, but I would do them anyway. And I, when I would go out, go to sleep, I would have nightmares because of what I was doing. One day, a friend of mine asked if I wanted to go to church. So I said yes. It didn't go the way I thought it would. Um, I literally walked out after about 15 minutes. Um, I was scared. It was so different. But even though it was different, my friend kept inviting me back, and I kept going. Uh, about a month after, I noticed my nightmares stopped. That is when I knew that God was listening and that he was real. One day, there was a guest speaker at our church who was an uh, evangelist. He gave a call for salvation, and in that moment, in the summer of 2001, I told God that I am listening, I understand that this message is for me, and I'm all yours. It felt great afterwards. Everything changed. I started to do better at my job. I became more patient and content, which helped me to say no when I was pressured to go out and do what I knew wasn't good. I started attending church functions outside of Sunday morning because I wanted to be more involved. God has provided me with a great marriage with kids and a home of my own. A Bible verse I really like is Jeremiah 17, 14. It says, O Lord, if you heal me, I will be truly healed. If you save me, I will be truly saved. My praises are for you alone. I chose this verse because I asked for healing, and he healed me. I asked him to save me, and he saved me. My name is Jerry Campos, and today I'm getting baptized because he gave me love, happiness, and new life. We boast in the cross because it's the picture, it's the source, it's the genesis of our new life. It's the death of our sin, the death of our shame, and the symbol of God coming into our world to make us more like him. And as we do that, we live out the next part of the verse. It says, because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me is also dead. That means that we're, we're choosing to live life, we're choosing to go through life living dead. That we live dead. And I think the place that this, this affects us biggest is how we view other people. There are two types of the world in this, two types of people in this world. There's Jesus and there's bad people. Right? Apart from Jesus, we are all bad people. It's like what Jerry just said in his story. You look at my life, everything on the outside looked awesome, but it was missing Jesus. And for us, we allow God to break our heart for what breaks his. And at the top of that list is people who are running away from him, people who live far away from him. And so as Christians, as a church, as Mountain View Sunnyside, we invest ourselves and pour out into people who don't yet know Jesus. If you're here and you don't yet know Jesus, this church exists for you. 
Because we want you to know Jesus the way that we do. We want you to know forgiveness. We want you to know new life the way that, that, that we do as Jesus followers. And, and if you think like this doesn't make sense to me, this is all new to me, it was for us once. But the thing that changed everything was the fact that Jesus loves us and wants a relationship with us. And that power, that, that initiative that God has is bigger than anything we could ever understand. And he does nothing more uh, than take over lives and change them for his glory. And as we live dead, we get to see that happen because our passion for the world is mortally wounded. It means we care about things differently. You know, stuff that we used to do that, that when we think about it, when we talk about it, it's embarrassing to us. That's because we're living dead. It's because we, we've died to the world and we're alive for Jesus. It also means that we choose to, to focus on the presence of Jesus. For us as a church, that's something that we care about big time is we want the presence of Jesus flowing into every area of our life. That's why we read our Bible every day and then we journal about it through shape groups. We get together in groups and share about how that's hitting us and, and what this book written thousands of years ago is saying to our life in 2019 and to our jobs and to our relationships. There's a women's group that meets on Thursday nights and does that, and then there's a couple of men's groups that meets on Friday mornings to do that. They're awesome opportunities for us to experience the presence of Jesus through the book that he wrote and through his words speaking to us. If you want to know more about that, you can ask at the info table on your, head out, on your way out today. But we do that through prayer because we want to experience the presence of Jesus that makes a difference, that changes things. We have people up here every service to pray. Because we believe that when we have faith and participation to walk up and say, hey, can you pray for me in this situation? That's where we get to see the miraculous happen. And we can't control when God is going to move and what God is going to do and what, what, how it's going to work in round with the things that, that we want. But there's so many examples in the Bible of, of people who say, ask, ask God to do this. Put yourself in God's hands and say, will you? Will you open this door for me? Will you make this happen for me? And as a church, we want to be people who live in the presence of Jesus and spend our lives saying, okay, God, I want you to move in this relationship. I want you to bring healing to this area of my life. I want you to take this sin out, give me freedom, and replace it with the opposite. We do that in the presence of Jesus. We experience God's blessing in the presence of Jesus. And so as a church, we're going to be all about that. And as we spend time with Jesus, we're going to start focusing on God's glory, on God's church, and on plundering hell. There's a great story of, of the life of Jesus where he's getting in some hot water with some people who didn't like him. And they say that he's demon-possessed. And he's like, I'm really not demon-possessed because I'm casting out demons and destroying demons. So let's think about this one here. And, and he, he gives them this picture. He says, no one can go into a strong man's house and plunder his goods and let that per, unless that person is even stronger than the devil. And that's me. What Jesus does, what Jesus did for all of our lives who are Christians is Jesus plundered hell for our sake. That we were on our way to hell and Jesus came in and rescued us. And for us, we want to be celebrating the way that God is doing that locally and, God, and the way that God is doing that globally. Our campus started because there was a group of people from Mountain View Main Campus who thought that there should be a church in Sunnyside because there are not enough churches in Sunnyside. We live and we do ministry in an under-resourced, under-churched area of the city. And there are people who live in our area of the city who are dying and going to hell without hearing about Jesus. And so we want to change that. And as Mountain View was getting ready to launch a campus here, it started to come up that, that all the Fresno Church growth experts, whatever, were saying, don't plant in Sunnyside. Nothing grows in Sunnyside. 
I don't know what it is, if, if it's the huge diversity in our area of town or what, but, but churches don't grow here. So you shouldn't, shouldn't plant in Sunnyside because it's not going to work out. It's not going to work. It's not going to grow. You know, what we've gotten to see over the last seven years is people who make decisions to follow Jesus in this place get released into ministry. They find freedom. They find joy in serving Jesus and living for Jesus. And what I want to continue to see through this place, through Mountain View Sunnyside, until Jesus comes back, is that happening time and time and time again. Of us growing a church as people say yes to Jesus and have their sins forgiven and are baptized and are released into ministry to serve here and and to serve at work and be lights for Jesus everywhere they go in the place where churches don't grow. That's exciting for me. Because it's lives plundered, lives saved from hell by a God who loves this place way more than we ever will. I was talking with Pastor Tony, the guy who planted uh, the Mountain View Sunnyside campus a few years ago, uh, seven years ago to be exact. I was talking with him this week, and I said, what was, what was the first service like? What was the first year like? Like, take me back there. He said, first service was good, but the thing that we noticed most for the year was God's grace to sustain and provide and push our campus along. Grace is God's undeserved favor. So it means that God is working at Sunnyside from the very beginning, 2012, 50-some-odd people at church, but pushing it along to be the church that he created it to be, bringing in people, bringing in resources, bringing in skills and gifts to make it exactly what he created it to be. For us, we're taking an offering because we want to see that happen as we move into the new building. There's tons of stuff that needs to happen. Lots of resources and money needs to go toward that. And so we're going to give today uh, as a way to fund that work that's going to happen in a place where we can be 24-7, where we are a light to the community to say we're not going anywhere and that we're a place where you can find out about Jesus. So some of the money of what you give today is going towards that. The rest is going to stuff that Mountain View is involved in globally. And I'm going to invite Matthias and Christine to come up for our missions moment today. Uh, they, church, they pastor a church uh, that they're going to give us the history of, uh, but when Matthias took on, uh, took on leadership there, there was tons of things that needed to be changed, and uh, some of his pastor friends started calling him the Braveheart pastor uh, because there were lots of things that needed to get crushed and taken out, and Matthias was the guy who led that charge, uh, and he'll tell us about that. All right, so good morning, church. My name is Greg, and I get the honor of interviewing Matthias and Christine this morning. So, Matthias and Christine, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Well, I'm Christine, and this is Matthias. We are married for almost eight years in June, and we have two wonderful boys, little boys, one and three, who are staying at home with my parents, and they have the best time of their life. And uh, we enjoy our time here at Mountain View. And yes, we um, are pastoring in Pine, Germany, North Germany, for six years now. And um, we really can say that God is moving there and um, that he did miraculous things. And, yeah, we are so glad that God is with us. So tell us a little bit about the church you're pastoring and how Mountain View has been involved. So, yes, we did our internship here six years ago with Pastor Tony and Roxana. They started here. We helped out and we learned a lot of things from them, from Mountain View. We learned about leadership, about prayer ministry, about missions, everything you do here at Mountain View. So, and when, then we moved back to Pine, and Pine is a little town in, in Germany, um, and uh, the church was very tiny then. So we had, I think, 40 people, 
and it was very old. It was it existed um, si 60 years then, but so um, and they sent Christine and me to Pine to renew this church, and they said, "Yeah, try your best. If it's not working, we." Uh, bring you out there and move you somewhere else. So not many people believed in this uh, thing, but some, yes, and Mountain View believed in us and believed in this uh, city. They prayed for us. They resourced us. So Tony and Roxana, they came to Pine for two years and helped us. Julie Weens, who helped or who uh, grew up here at Mountain View, she came to Pine and helped us. And God did... Uh, great things and um, we, we, we are growing now. So we started with 40 people, now we are on average Sunday like 100, 120 like this. And I remember the first uh, Christmas Eve service, we have been 30 people. If you count everything you can, maybe dogs and everything. <laughs> so, but then uh, last year, last Christmas Eve, we were like almost 200 people. And God is, um, yeah, it's, we can't believe that God did, did, did this, yeah. That's awesome. Just tell us a couple of stories of people whose lives were changed. Yeah, God changed a lot of lives, but I want to share two stories. One is from Philip. You see him on the picture with the red hair. So he came to our church when he was 15. So he came to our youth group first. And then he came to Christ and God is moving in his life so much. And then, um, yeah, we gave him a job on the slides and asked him, do you want to do it, to do the slides? Um, and he said, yes, okay, I can try it. And I guess he couldn't sleep the whole week before he had his first uh, Sunday. <laughs> he was so nervous and he apologized before and said, I'm sorry when I do mistakes, but I said, everything will be fine. You will do great. So this year, um, he came to me and he said, I want to start a small group. I want to start a small group with, uh, my, um, with my friends who are not Christians. Can I do it? I said, yes, you can do it. So his, in his small group are 10 people now, and he, uh, he's growing so much. He's, in two weeks, he will uh, lead the Sunday morning prayer. He's doing steps. He's so we are very proud of him and see God, uh, God working in him. Yeah. And I want to tell a story from a woman. She is 40, 45, and we did an outreach in our city on the streets and uh, hand out flyer to people and invite them to church. And she was there too, and she got the flyer and said, "Yeah, maybe I will try it one time and visit you." And she came. And the first two Sundays she have been there, she, um, she cried the whole service from the beginning to the end. And after the, the second service, she, she said, okay, I, I will not come back because it's so, so embarrassing why I'm crying this hard. And so, so she didn't knew the Holy Spirit and his presence. So she didn't come back. But after three months, she said, I'm missing that and I will come back. And she came. And I think since the beginning of this year, she's coming every, every Sunday, and she's still crying. But in two weeks, she will get baptized. That's so awesome. Yes, God changed her. And she's my small group, and um, she didn't say any word because she was so shy and embarrassed or something else. And last week, we 
we met, she talked about everything God did in her life. And she's so, yeah, you can tell God is moving in her life. And that's so awesome. And it's only two stories of many. And you are one part of that. You are praying for us. You are resourcing us. And we are so thankful for that. Thank you, um, yeah, that you believe in us. That's awesome. <laughs> so what are, what are two ways we can be praying for you going forward? Yeah, one uh, thing is um, like you can pray for next steps for us as a church, uh, for the leadership team. That would be great if you keep us in mind. Um, and the other thing is like to raise up new leaders. It's kind of difficult to find new leaders, so please pray for that. And uh, yeah, for example, Matthias is um, preaching and leading worship, which is kind of hard, but he's doing it with passion and for Jesus. Imagine Ken preaching and then leading worship right afterwards. That's Matthias right now. So we're, we're going to pray for, for more leaders. All right, let's take a moment. Let's, let's pray for that, and then we'll continue on the service. Uh, church, let's just stretch out our hands towards Matthias and Christine right now, as symbol of standing and standing with them and empowering them. Uh, Lord, we just thank you so much uh, for partnering us together with Matthias and Christine, the church in Pina. We thank you so much that you're doing amazing things there. And we just pray for an increase of vision, uh, fresh direction in their lives, increase of your spirit to move them forward to what's coming. We also pray for new leaders to be raised up, to come alongside them to facilitate that vision and to join with them in the amazing things that are happening there. Thank you so much for partnering us together across two continents, two countries. Uh, we thank you that we get to work together for your kingdom all over the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we go forward into the next 25 years, we're going forward focused on God's plans displayed through signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. And these are the things that only God can do. And we want to be as a church, we want to be living comfortably, faith-filled wise, confidently under the things that only God can do. Because Jesus is the one who's going to build his church. He promises us that, and we get to see that, that Jesus builds the church. That I don't build the church. That you don't build the church. That a building isn't going to build the church. That new strategies and songs and videos and methods aren't going to build the church. But Jesus is going to build the church. And as Jesus builds the church, we're going to get to see friends and family members and sons and daughters and moms and dads being pulled out of lives that are headed to hell and put into a relationship with Jesus. Because he's going to continue to build the church. And so we get to, say, we get to decide what role we're going to play in it. Are we going to be people who lay everything down for the sake of God's glory through our lives and through places that we may never even go, but we're going to give toward and fund through our resources? Are we going to boast in the cross and the way that that has impacted our lives and is going to continue to impact lives until Jesus comes back? Let's be a church that does that. Let's be a church that lives confident in the things that only God can do, the plans that only God knows, and let's be people who stand arms open, eyes open, ready to see the ways that Jesus wants to use us to make Jesus look good in Mountain View Sunnyside. Let's stand and pray.